think that first one, it doesn't actually say family first, but they were very involved later, so I suspect they may have been there from the beginning. Uh, and the reason was that it contained offensive language, sex, sexual material and drug use. Much like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ears Wide Open. A literary podcast is a project of the Open Book at 201 Ponsonby Road, the world's most beautiful secondhand bookshop. Today we have got Melanie Brebner with us. Melanie is a librarian and a recent law graduate, and she's going to talk to us about censorship and banned books in New Zealand. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you, Anna. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. So, you've written a dissertation. I have. Do you want to give us a little introduction to that so we've got the context? Sure. So my dissertation is on the censorship of books in New Zealand and I wanted to limit it to books because otherwise 15,000 words, which sounds very large, becomes very small very quickly. You can only say three things really, can't you, in 15,000 words? pretty much, pretty much. So um, I did limit it to books because being a librarian, it just seemed a natural fit. You've handed it in recently, it's completed. I completed it last February and um, handed it in and passed and graduated Thank you. Fantastic. So what led you then to be interested in censorship in particular? Uh, I was doing uh, media law, special topics in media law uh, in my final year um, of lectures and with Rosemary Tobin, no less. Um, And we discussed... Ted Dawson's book, actually, Into the River, and when I was looking for a dissertation topic, uh, Rosemary really encouraged me to think about the censorship of books as a topic, and I thought, surely it's been done to death, but in actual fact it hasn't. So they've done censorship of things like um, vans, and t-shirts, and other such things, but no one's actually done books. Oh, how interesting. Into the River, and we are going to be talking to Ted Uh, tomorrow night so listeners you'll hear a podcast with him shortly tell us a little bit about the story of Into the River and what happened there and what the New Zealand legal system kind of tied itself in knots doing sure so Ted originally self-published Into the River and I think uh, from what I've read he sold two to three hundred copies he'll be able to tell you more about that himself I'm sure and it went past unnoticed until it actually won a book award I think it was the New Zealand Post book award following that it was referred to the classifications office by a complaint from members of the public and I think that first one it doesn't actually say family first but they were very involved later so I suspect they may have been there from the beginning Uh, And the reason was that it contained offensive language, sexual material and drug use. Much like this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to use the offensive language, we're an R18 podcast. Okay, so uh, from there it went to the classification office and that was the first hearing at the classification office and it it received an unrestricted... Uh, rating so so absolutely uh, you know freely available to everyone but um, it did say suitable for mature audiences of 16 years and older and they decided that restricting it would not be reasonable it would not be a reasonable limitation nor dem- demonstrably oh I can't say this word demonstrably justifiable in a free and democratic society so that's section five of our New Zealand Bill of Rights Act 
That then went to the review board um, because Family First appealed classification. And at that point, the majority decided that it should have an age restriction of 14 years or over and that it required a, a descriptive note saying parental advisory explicit content. And that was because it had physical content of a degrading and demeaning nature, according to the, class of, uh, to the review board. Now, there was a minority um, of, that consisted of Don Matheson, who was the president of the review board, um, and his was a dissenting decision, and he thought it should have a higher classification, it should have be classified and restricted. Uh, there was no mention of the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act in either the majority or the minority decision, which is actually quite important later on. And then uh, in March 2014, uh, the second classification office hearing um, went ahead and that came from concern from the library sector, our good old librarians, um, and they said that the R14 restriction made it more difficult for those who were over 14 to access because it meant it had to be behind uh, in the back office and that sort of thing and people had to ask for it. Now the fact that there was another classification office um, referral within three years is unusual. So they can only be granted under special circumstances. And that's something that when, when they reviewed it again uh, was, was raised. Family First wanted made a submission at that point saying that they, they wanted an R18 classification and shrink wrapping. So if you can think of penthouse magazines and so forth that you may or may not see in dairies, um, and other places uh, where they're actually shrink-wrapped and no, nobody can actually look at them, which seems a bit strange in a text-based book where there are no pictures. That seemed a little bit odd. The classification office said that there was an error in law because there was no consideration of the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act. Right, so, so when you say an error in law, you mean when they were making their decision, mm. they didn't take into account all of the things that they were they, actually legally required to. So they had to say, well, is this offensive, is it degrading, but also yeah. what is the importance of freedom of speech and the democratic access to things? And it, they didn't exactly. do that second part. Yeah, they didn't do that in that first review board decision. So that's why they were saying um, it, it could actually have gone straight to the High Court from that rather than having to go back to the classification office. So they said, as you've said, the R14 restriction limited the right to freedom of expression more than was reasonably necessary, and that could not be demonstrably justified in democratic society. Um, and they classified it as unrestricted. So it went unrestricted, R14, unrestricted so yes. far. That's the sequence we've got so far. It's not over yet. I not believe over listeners. Yet. No, That's right. it's not over yet. So then what happened, and this was the real, the, one of the real twists, so Family First applied to the President of the Review Board, remembering that he's the one who had the dissenting decision in that re first Review Board hearing, and he, uh, they wanted it to have a, an R18 restriction. So what they applied for was an interim restriction, which meant that while this was being reheard, that nobody under the age of 18 could read it. So it effectively became our first banned book. Now the reason that um, at this point they didn't limit it to 14 years of age is because at this point in time, 
that uh, interim restriction order was a bit of a blunt instrument. So it either had to be completely banned or completely unbanned. So there was no way that they could actually say we're banning it for 14 years and under at that point. So so there it went from being unclassified to being completely banned. So you did say people under 18, but you meant in fact nobody was allowed to uh, read it. At that point it was um, any person under the age of 18. But that was, at that point you could import a copy, you could not. So it would be a fence to make a copy, import a copy into New Zealand, supply or distribute a copy to any person under 18 or to the public. Um, but it was not an offence to possess a copy during the period of that interim restriction. So you could have... You, you didn't have to go and burn you it didn't if have you had one on your shelf. You didn't have to go and put it in the recycling if you wanted to be, um, you know, uh, ecologically sound. No, you didn't have to do that. Or you didn't have to delete it off your Kindle either, which was good. That's a good thing. And then what happened next? Next came the review board number two decision. Uh, and again, the majority decided that it should be unrestricted. Um, it was not objectionable. So they refer to them as objectionable books rather than indecent books, as has been um, in, in past legislation. So it was not objectionable. Um, and they decided that an age restriction was not justifiable. So this time they did the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act um, analysis. Uh, and, and balanced, went, and, and, essentially, and balanced out. out. So the book uses the word cunt many times, although I it personally does. was quite disappointed to find it was merely in kind of conversational swearing it and not is. in description of no, anything very exciting. No, no. And I did actually, this is the one thing I found researching this, so um, I think if people looked at my history, um, that they'd be quite astounded because I had to look up things like objectionable and indecent and, and, and researching the background of, of why... Um, you know, what the ideological changes that have gone in place, um, looking up words like pornography and that sort of thing. So for a while there, I was getting some rather... Fruity, <laughs> fruity yeah, search yeah, results. Fruity search results yeah. when I look for things, um, not what I usually would have expected. So, um, But I did actually also go through the book and count the swear words. <laughs> cunt one, cunt yeah, two, exactly. cunt three, you cried yeah, as exactly, you went along. As yeah. I went along. I've, I did read the trilogy. I've read the three books of that Ted Dawson wrote, the Thunder Road trilogy, and, and I do actually think they're very good. Then the minority decision in that, again, our president, Don Matheson, again dissented, and he thought that an appropriate restriction would be an R18, or at the very least an R14. Um, he thought it was injurious to the public good, and that the uh, th now this is the thing that I thought was a bit of a contradiction. So he said the behaviour in the book both um, sensationalised and normalised. Right. So, like, how can you do both? How can you both sensationalise and normalise something? I I would think it's got to be one or the other. Yes. So I I thought that was interesting, shall we say? So at the end of the day, I think. What didn't work well was that the review board failed to consider our Bill of Rights Act, so it was hard to see how the R18 or R14 restriction would, was demonstrably justified. Um, there were questions as to why the reconsideration of the, of the review board's decision was granted, given that there was an error of law. Um, so there were the procedural stuff-ups. Yep. Errors. That's yep. right, yep. Um, and then the... Interim restriction order itself lacked any reasoning. The submissions were advanced, but the NZ, uh, New Zealand Bill of Rights Act wasn't considered again. One of the things they brought up was that 
that the review board shouldn't have been able to challenge the decisions of the chief censor. So they were saying that he shouldn't have been able to review it within the three-year period. But the review board aren't actually able... They don't have the authority to make that decision. So if he decides to do that, then that's up to him and they can't recall that. The main thing it also highlighted was the deficiency in the existing law so that, that, that there were no limitations on the re interim restriction orders. So it was either all or nothing. Right, right. And, I mean, the thing I found, I guess, disturbing about that book... I read it. It was interesting to me, set in the part of Auckland that I live in, actually, as it happens, around Newmarket. So I wasn't particularly bothered by the use of the swear words at all, really. And I wasn't bothered by the homosexual aspects of it. There was certainly drug-taking and what statutory rape mm. in terms of someone who was consenting but who was not legally able to consent. Mm -hmm. And a scene that was very clearly a rape scene to mm. me, a boy-on-girl rape scene That's where right. the girl was saying no and the boy was Went just carrying anyway. on. And the thing that was interesting to me was that I felt like that that last rape scene was not had no consequences in the book. And that was, you know, and I don't think this is necessarily something one would censor, mm. but I'm interested to talk to Ted about this about when that. I talked to him about mm. it. And I thought, well, that was the one thing to me that I went... Well, hold on a minute, there's been a rape and then nothing happens. There were the no consequences, but what I did like about, because I had the same feelings you did, mm. but when you read further on, he does actually come to realise that he's crossed a line and that he's no longer playing children's games, that this is adult behaviour and that he had behaved wrongly. So I did feel, think that he felt some sense of remorse, even though he never actually apologised to her or, you know... Turn himself into Turn the police. Turn himself into the police. But <laughs> remembering that he was, what, 14, 15 at the time, so... I'm making a face of lack of, frontal lack lobes, of compassion. Frontal lobe's not fully developed yet. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. But, yeah, I think he did show... I think there was some remorse from his character, even though he didn't then act upon it in, a, in an appropriate way. Mm. And what would you censor if it was up to you? What so is, should this book be censored? What should be censored in this day and age that we live in? I actually thought his third book was more worth censoring than the, than the second one, uh, than, than Into the River, because I felt that there was a sex scene at the beginning of that that I thought was more gratuitous. I think the sex scenes in... Um, into the River were both very much part of the story, but I felt one of the, that, that the opening sex scene in Into the World, I think it is, it was felt more gratuitous. But I still wouldn't censor it. I think with books, um, so and we're not against sex, right? It's no, no, no. In fact, we're pro. At least I am. <laughs> well, we're both mothers, so yeah. <laughs> clearly we're you twenty-two years ago and yeah, me right. five years ago. Yeah. But I think. And this was brought up in the here in the decisions. The arguments against restriction, restricting the book were that it's text-based. You have to really engage in the book before you even get to those scenes. You have to have a certain level of maturity to get that far into the book. Uh, the language is used in a very um, everyday kind of context. I've, I've worked at James Cook High School. That's how they talk. Every second word. I mean, I had to hit one kid over the head with a book once and say, look, don't do that. It was a very light hit, by the way. Sorry, miss. And then five minutes later, you know, swearing again like nothing. She so can't bring herself to say I the actual say words. I can't say it, no. 
They can't. Good for you. You're much better for that than I am. Yeah. So um, what would I bet? Well, I think we've actually got a pretty good balance. The one thing I, I do think is that we have this strict liability. So that's where the fact that um, once the restriction is in place or once the book has been banned, that even possessing it puts you um, in offence. You, you, you commit an offence just by possessing the book. When we look at what has been banned over the last, since 1963, so we had a new act, the Indecent Publications Act in 1963, and everything that was banned before that um, became unbanned, basically, because uh, there was no transitional legislation that carried it over. Now, when, we, when the, the um, Film and Video Publications Classifications Act, which is what Into the River was... Um, subject to when that came in they made there was a section in there that carried all those 1963 books into the new act so currently we've got about 13 1306 but i haven't updated that since last february so i don't know if any more have been banned since last february but i think we would have heard if they had been uh so i looked through them reading your question which i thought was a very good question and I think most of the titles there um, are basically erotica, pedophilia. Um, certainly over the last four years, they've, uh, since, since 2010, there have been four books banned. Two of them were basically pictures of naked boys, so it was pedophilia. And the other two were related to drugs. I mean, they've got titles on that list, such as how to manufacture pee for sale. So there's one there about, you know, computer viruses, releasing a computer virus, those sorts of things. So those are the sorts of things that are currently being banned. But I did go back through from the 1963 list, and interestingly enough, the one book I thought that perhaps Fanny Hill, which was oh, a piece of erotica. Yes, I know, I know. I've read Fanny You've Hill, read Fanny and then I gave it to someone did you? once. Well, they, it's banned. They, it's banned. You are committing an offence. Oh, my God. Well, you'll do it. in a bookshop. In fact, I might have yeah. bought it in the States, actually. Well, that I would, think yeah. I didn't buy it here. I think I bought it. I imported it. You imported I'm it. I'm confessing yes, to this on well, radio. Um, yes. It's very broadcast. saucy. Yes. It's so well heard. worth a read. I haven't read it. I've seen, I have um, 1,000. Well, she's 000. not going to admit on air that no, she's read it anyway. No, I haven't. Because how can I get hold of it? Well, well, I, I know, where, the, I know where there's a copy in Kandala. Oh, well, I have got the 1,001 books to read before you die. Right. And I was flicking through that thinking, what shall I read next? And I saw Fanny Hill there, and I had a read about it, and I thought, oh, I don't know that I really need to read that. But I, when I was looking on my Kindle for free, you know, downloads, because all these old books, you know, they're... Out of copyright. Out of copyright, right. and up pops Fanny Hill. So the other night I just tested whether I could actually download it, and I can actually get it on my computer through Project Gutenberg, and I could actually download it. Now, this is um, the interesting part. So, yes, it's an offence, but only if you actually get caught... So I'm not saying go hide your banned books. <laughs> and I, I don't think many of your listeners will actually have many of them. That's the only one I write saw. In, right in, listeners, write in. You've got banned books, write in. <laughs> but they really, I mean, one of the titles, the, the, A Librarian Enslaved, and I thought, well, maybe I should have a read of that. <laughs> that sounds saucy as well. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that, 
you know, how do you go about policing this? This is the impractical thing with our technology. My brother is a policeman, was a policeman. He actually passed away 17 days before this dissertation was due, oh which gosh. was very inconvenient of yes, us. Yes, families. Yes, and he was a policeman. And the last conversation, voice-to-voice conversation I actually had with him, I did text him after that, but the last voice-to-voice conversation I had with him was when I rang him up and said, what would happen? You know, like, um, because basically you have to be caught with this book. I said, would you, do you know what's on the banned books list? And he said, I don't actually, didn't know there were banned books in New Zealand. You said, police force (laughs) falling apart. Exactly, exactly. So I said, well, if, you know, this book Into the River is banned, if you walked into a house and saw it sitting on someone's bedside table, would you have known? He said, no. But at that point, it wasn't actually... Um, and surely, you could have, you could surely bless it. them. They've got better things they to do, They have got right? better things to do. And he's actually on the child abuse team. And he said, if I walked in and saw something that was clearly, um, you know, exploiting children, and that's what this current act is, is set about to do, Actual is predominantly to, to protect our children. And that's why it is a strict liability offence. And I've got a really... I'm really caught between, yes, we need to protect the children, but by the same token should your friend be committing an offence for having a copy of Fanny Hill well I text her and tell her that she is I mean I guess you've got to say well you know there's limited resources and we know people struggle to get prosecuted even when they've done some reasonably serious things exactly. so in fact and, and uh, the I don't... respectable English teacher that she is is highly unlikely to I think so, and and then if it's on your Kindle, even less likely to be picked up. But the thing is that the, the police don't know what's on that list. I actually had to send off to the classification office and get them to send me through the list because to get that list online, they do they've got a very good website, and you can go up and look up individual titles. But actually, getting a list of, of every book that was banned was actually quite difficult. So. You know, there's probably quite a few, possibly even banned titles on the um and down in the open. Well, this shop. is exciting. We should double check. <laughs> we should double check. So I wanted to ask you then a question that's a little bit off the topic of banned mm-hmm. books, which is about free speech more generally. And mm. I had something to read, which so I've been following various campuses in America and the UK saying well, we want to be free of hate speech and therefore mm. certain people who we think are just downright offensive and wrong can't come and speak here. And then other people saying, well, that's not right. You know, they should be able to say what they want. That's what freedom of speech is. And the American Civil Liberties Union, who are you know, a well-respected kind of upholder of freedom and so forth in the States, had this to say. How much we value the right of free speech is put to its severest test when the speaker is someone we disagree with most. Speech that deeply offends our morality or is hostile to our way of life warrants the same constitutional protection as other speech because the right of free speech is indivisible. When we grant the government the power to suppress controversial ideas, we are all subject to censorship by the state. Since its founding in 1920, the ACLU has fought for the free expression of all ideas, popular or unpopular. Where racist, misogynist, homophobic and transphobic speech is concerned, the ACLU believes that more speech, not less, is the answer most consistent with our constitutional values. And of course, as you'll be acutely aware as a lawyer, that's referring to a different 
legal framework where the US Constitution exists and we don't um, have that here. We've got the Bill of Rights Act. But I guess the question, taking it away from the legal question, you know, what's your view as a person? Mm. What's the... Um, What's the rights and wrongs of being able to say abhorrent and hateful things? Well, I was brought up in the era of you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Uh, so I actually, and, and, and we are, um, as a country, I think we are very PC. We are very aware of other people's feelings. And you're talking about universities overseas, but there's been some, I, I guess it's a form of censorship at the University of Auckland as well. So getting groups like Pro-Life removed from the clubs, they were doing more than just speaking, though. I think they uh, the sense was that they were trying to coerce, and I don't know all the ins and outs of that particular situation. I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they do still have a right to say, you know, to express their views. They've been dissertations that have people have considered whether they should be taken off the shelf because of some of the things they say so I think there was one and I can't remember which university it was uh, where they denied that the holocaust existed I remember that yeah um so it is a real tension um and I don't know which side of it I sit on <laughs> I, I would hope that personal responsibility would advocate that people temper their views when yeah, but it doesn't them. of course though does it I mean you get the, like someone like Milo Yiannopoulos yeah. who just wants to make a huge mm. splash by saying the worst thing he can think of to get attention yeah yeah um, and we had you know someone last year who was drawing and talk outside the information commons you know a great big uh, picture of a and I don't know which symbol it was and I meant to find out before I came and forgot an alt-right symbol that they were putting you know in chalk on the pavement outside the building uh, that actually was removed by security because it was there were quite a few people were offended by it and so then I guess you're looking at an, another act which is about um, offensive behaviour so that's think gosh so long ago but I think that's under the crimes act is whether it's offensive behavior and it's offensive behavior if it prevents somebody from going about their normal business in that place and if it um if people feel disturbed and upset um by it then so that's catered for under another act rather than saying it's being censored mm. so you disagree with the ACLU's sort of basic opinion that it's interesting. Anyone should be able to say, say anything. anything. It's interesting that the Americans say that when their schools ban more books than anybody else. Indeed. Um, so I think that's a really interesting point. But I, yeah, I guess because I have grown up with that, you know, that, I remember Bambi. Was it Thumper who said it in Bambi? If you can't say anything, something nice, don't say anything at all. And Also an American, <laughs> that, we should note. Exactly. <laughs> Thumper was very American, wasn't he? Uh, so yeah, it's sort of. I, I, and I think I think we are very PC in, in New Zealand, and we do we we do try and take care not to hurt each other. Well, we used to. Oh, in the good old days, <laughs> poor things yes. got rough. Yeah. So my last question for you mm. was: three controversial books you would recommend to our listeners. Well, I'd like your friend to tell us if she could recommend Fanny Hill or oh, not. Oh well, look, she. I remember this was some years ago now, but I remember sort of getting these intermittent texts from her because she was actually at home with either one or two very small children, and I said, "Oh," and she's a she's a scholar. She's a she's a well, she's a doctor 
actually she's got a PhD in sociology and media studies and feminism and you know women in film and stuff so she read it in a fully engaged in kind of intellectual and academic way but then she kept texting me and going oh my goodness this is a remarkably spicy piece you know but no I think she did enjoy it certainly she enjoyed being exposed to that mm. part of you know because you can have this illusion of great properness in the past right and of course you know they were busily bonking each other just as people are now yeah and doing but all only sorts the, of it was things. only allowable in the upper classes only, only. Do you have actual acceptable. evidence for this? <laughs> only acceptable. So this is one of the things in the early acts that were put in place for censorship was about uh, youth and the uneducated. Right. It was the protecting them because they didn't have the intellectual capacity to actually process and, and read it as it should be read. So I guess that's why it's okay for the educated to read Fanny Hill, but maybe not for the great unwashed. Right, that keep the pleasure the, for ourselves. Yeah, kept, that was certainly the thinking back then. Um, so now what I actually, three banned books in New Zealand, uh, I think Fanny Hill's the only title I recognised. I think everything else is probably more so than Fifty Shades of Grey, which I also haven't read, I must admit. Oh, I haven't either, because I hear it's terrible. I'm completely not... In fact, I read a wonderful book called The Golden Lotus, which is an old Chinese erotica book, which I recommend very highly to everyone. Uh, it's available on Kindle, but Fifty Shades of Grey struck me as not very good literature. I've and heard therefore it's not well I written. thought, I can't. Yes, yeah. So, uh, and, and Fifty Shades of... Fifty Shades of great isn't actually banned of course because it's freely available but um, when I looked through the list of what's actually banned I couldn't actually see anything that that I would want it Fanny Hill was the only one that struck me as something I even knew anything about the rest was complete and utter looked like trash in my mind and, and not something I'd recommend however I did look at three books that have been banned or considered being banned in New Zealand and one was um, All Quiet on the Western Front which I have read and Lady Chatterley's Lover, which again was one of those books that was okay when it was in hard copy, because it was, but when it was made more cheaply available as a paperback, it was worried that uh, there was a concern that whether that should be made available because just the paperback edition they wanted to ban so that it couldn't get in the hands of, of young people. But also there was that sense of, you know, the great unwashed might get hold of it as well. And Lolita. And Lolita I studied at university, so certainly there was consideration about whether it should be banned, and that was one of the things that led to the 1963 Act being enacted, because they, they at that point, wanted to protect art and literature. So anything that could be considered art and literature shouldn't be banned. So that one was actually not banned in New Zealand. And then the other lists I looked at were what's being banned in the schools in America. And it's things like To Kill a Mockingbird and Huckleberry Finn. Um, and yes, they have, you know, uh, racist comments in there that are reflective of the time they're written in. But I think that's quite often an important thing to look back and say, well, you know, to tell kids, why is why do you think this is wrong? Why don't we think like that these days? Uh, so I think it's a good a good learning point. Great. Oh, well, those are some recommendations for you, um, listeners out there. Thank you. That's been so interesting, Melanie. Thank you, very Thank much, you for Anna. coming along. And um, this has been Ears Wide Open, a project of the Open Book at Two Hundred One Ponsonby Road. If you are in Auckland, come and visit us. Buy a book. Keep this whole project on its legs. Uh, if you're not in Auckland, you can actually subscribe to my book bag and have hand-picked 
books sent out to you in beautiful little packages sealed with wax. So that is also a certified.